Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Uh, If you have not already done so, today's the day to download the Faith Radio app. You text the word app to 877-933-2484. Also, if um, you've been enjoying um, the Lenten Reading Through the Bible Together series, um, let me encourage you to Um, continue on in that. And if you say to yourself, oh, I missed out on that opportunity, we want to issue a special invitation for you to join us, particularly during Holy Week in our Reading Through the Bible Together um, series. And so you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up for that today. I want to share a good news story here at the outset um, before we bring on our friend Adam Holtz to talk across some culture uh, headlines today. Because um, I think a good news story, right? We, we did a good news story yesterday and people really responded positively like, whew, I needed that. Um, so this is another glory story. Uh, it just sort of falls into the category of God works in the strangest ways and God works um, sometimes through technology. I have a friend named Marnie who met her husband um, because a fax came over. I mean, this, you know, back in the days of the fax, right? Uh, a fax came over the fax machine in the mailroom at the church where she was working. Um, and that's ultimately how she met her husband. Like, so anyway, so uh, she she gives this, I mean, like, I still remember her talking about this, like from burning bushes to the fax machine. Like that is how she um, communicated the same point that I'm about to make through this story about Brenda and Isaiah. So um, in 2009, Brenda typed a text message um, to a friend who needed some encouragement. And Brenda's text message was included, you know, this uplifting Bible verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And, you know, it goes on from there. And so then she hits send. Well, she didn't actually send it to her intended friend. She typed the number in, you know, wrong. Well, was it really wrong or was this God's intent the whole time? Like, right, how involved is God in the actual minutia of our lives? We'll take all day to unpack that. And instead, I just want to tell you Brenda and Isaiah's story going forward. So the person who received the text message, which included the Bible verse, um, texted back, well, amen to that. But who is this? And so then she's like, oh, it's Brenda. And then she realized, oh, I'm not actually texting my friend. And so that's when the person on the other end wrote back, well, we've never met, but it looks, by the looks of your text, I can see that you love God. That's awesome. So first of all, the person who received the text responded positively and in an affirming way, and obviously indicating that he too is a person who loves God and um, and resonated with the message of doing nothing out of selfish, ambi- or selfish ambition or vain conceit. So Fast forward from there, 
these two people eventually, you know, met in person. Um, and um, now, to, to be fair, the guy pursues the girl. And that's an important part of this message here. Um, the text message originally comes from Brenda to Isaiah. She doesn't know she's texting him and she doesn't know him. But let's affirm Isaiah here that he not only responds to her text in an, a positive and affirming way, he then thinks this might be worth pursuing. So he called her the next day and she didn't answer because she was a little creeped out. Um, and and she said, but I was sort of hoping that he would leave a, a voicemail, which he did. And in the message, he said that the Bible verse that Brenda had sent had lifted his day and that he was still smiling a day later. Um, and and she said, I could just tell by the sound of his voice and what he said that he was so genuine. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to call him back. And that's how they started talking. And then Brenda goes on to be like perfectly honest about her expectations about the person that she thought she would eventually Mary, and let's just say, here's what she says. I pictured myself with a dark-skinned, curly-haired, Spanish-speaking guy who loved salsa dancing. Isaiah is basically the opposite of that. Isaiah was bald, well, he's white, and he can't dance. So um, fast forward from 2009 to today, these two not only fell in love and got married, um, they have, by my count, one, two, three, four, five, they have six kids, um, the last one born in, in 2021, um, and um, they are totally devoted, not only to Christ and to one another, uh, but to their children and to broadcasting widely the goodness of God in, um, in providing for us in ways that we could have never imagined. And so God is not, um, not so big and so far removed that he can't intervene at the level of a text message. And so if you're thinking today that God doesn't see you or know what you're dealing with or where you are or what you want, um, consider what he has sent you in his word by the power of his spirit. Consider what he has sent you in the person of his son and the community of believers. Um, And consider reaching out today, even via a text message with an encouraging Bible verse. It might change your relationship. It, it might change your life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, joining us now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Adam, let's talk about the words we use on air, and on air could mean here or um, in an online interview or any sort of broadcast media. I got to be ready to define the terms I use. What's happening in the culture? Well, there's a lot of conversation about this whole word woke, right? Uh, And it's a word that both sides of the political spectrum use one uses it pejoratively negatively uh and it's a word that arose out of the black culture um to describe a particular way of thinking about the world but it's since come to be shorthand for all manner of progressive politics but if we're going to use the word 
we ought to be able to define it. Uh, and there was a conservative author, Bethany Mandel, who um, was in an interview with CNN and wasn't able to quickly define it uh, and sort of came in for criticism because of that. Now, here's my take on this. First, this is a non-story, okay? Anybody who's ever done a live interview has probably had moments where they stumbled over something or couldn't quite get there. But this is the left, you know, trying to make hay with something that it really is not a story. Um, but I think that it does speak to the the power struggle over words. And I think, you know, Carmen, we're living in a largely postmodern time and words have meanings, but words are very malleable these days. And so you can take a word and if you can appropriate it your way long enough, it comes to have the meaning you want it to have. Like the word hate, you know, the word hate used to mean a, a strong negative feeling towards somebody who perhaps harmed you or, you know, that sort of thing. But now hate is shorthand for anybody who says anything critical about the LGBT movement, right? It's that word has been largely co-opted in the way that we use it in the mainstream culture. Um, and so I think the ways that we use words are important. I think the political left largely does a better job of co-opting words for their purposes, gender affirming. I mean, the whole conversation about whether kids under the age of 18 should be able to undergo, you know, invasive and irreversible procedures to change their gender. When we describe it with language like gender affirming, well, who could be against gender affirmation, right? It sounds so positive. Um, so anyway, I think our language is important. And I think with the case of the word woke, we've had a lot of conservatives who have come to appropriate and use that word differently than it, it was at first. And now it's come to be the main meaning. And a lot of people on the progressive side of things aren't very happy about that because they don't usually lose these word battles. Yeah, I, I think word battles is a good way of framing that. I mean, I think there is a, a word war going on. Um, and I think that as Christians, I got to be very, I have to be very confident that I know what I mean when I use the words that I choose to use. Um, yes. And so choosing our words carefully and then being prepared to talk about the words we use, not just using right. words to talk, but be prepared to talk about the words we use is critically important. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I want to talk next, Adam, about the phrase worship leader and whether or not I'm even allowed to say it out loud. Do you have a worship leader at your church? Are you sure you're oh, allowed yeah. to call them that? We're going to be, oh, we got to take a break. We're going to be right back with Adam Holtz, and he's going to tell us if if we're going to be in trouble for saying worship leader uh, on air. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, 
Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. Returning to our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. And uh, Adam, everybody is a critic. <clears throat> critic, uh, <laughs> critic, critic on the text line right now um, wants to know how I feel about my constant use of the words um and uh. <laughs> well, um, uh, I feel like uh, if you don't like the way I put my sentences together and you think you could talk faster than I do and put thoughts, um, you know, from your brain on air that are consistent with the word of God and edifying to his people, then, you know, go get a radio show. There you go. All right. All right. So, um, yes. And I will add the um in there. I'll take a breath every time and there'll just be more dead air, which is also okay. All right, Adam, let's uh, let's talk about the word worship leader. Are we allowed to say worship leader or we just can't use it in print or we can't put it in a job? <coughs> What's going on? How could you trademark a term like worship leader? So this story is so crazy that if I didn't know better, I would think it came out of the Babylon Bee, right? It's just bonkers. And I learned some things reading it that I was not aware of. The core of the story is that there is a magazine that was very successful in the mid-90s called Worship Leader, and they trademarked that term. Uh, Never mind that it's a fairly generic thing, Um, but because they've trademarked it, there were a number of Facebook accounts that recently got taken offline and those people were told they were taken offline because there was a trademark violation. It was against the intellectual property laws for using this phrase. And one of those, and here's where it gets super weird, was a worship leader who playfully has started a Star Wars themed uh, Facebook um, site or page uh and it was called rogue worship leader which again if you know about star wars you get the joke and it got taken down and that was sort of the presenting story here that sort of adds to the the babylon b ishness of it all um well the story goes deeper in that apparently when you have a trademark or copyright if you don't defend it you can lose it so this magazine felt like They were going to lose their trademark if they didn't defend it. And they've since come back and said, sorry, sorry, didn't mean to, you know, get get you guys all in trouble. Um, But it has really created a backlash and even an online movement to get worship leaders trademark uh, revoked. And I mean, if this isn't a textbook example of. Christians fighting about dumb things in a way that makes us all look bad. I don't know what it is. You know, I couldn't Mm -hmm. think of another one, but I also think the idea that worship leader is a phrase that we can't use because it's trademarked is very close to asinine. I mean, it's just absurd. This is an absurd story, Um, but we have other places where this is true too. Like, did you know that the term realtor, like somebody who sells real estate, that is a trademark term because that's a company. Um, And so if I use that in an article, I have to capitalize it and I'm supposed to put the little R in a circle next to it. 
Well, that's absurd. That's another one that has become genericized, if you will. Although that one's maybe a teensy bit more specific to this company. Got, but anyway, I, I got there another. You go. I got another one that I became aware of this year. the The National Football League, the NFL, trademarked oh, yeah. the, fr- the phrase Super Bowl. But they did right. it back in 1969, and apparently right. any of us and all of us who have ever right. spoken those two words together as a phrase right. have technically infringed on the NFL's commercial use well, of the term. And here's another one. So, like, wait, we're uh, supposed to call it, like, the big game or something. We we're not allowed supposed- to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oscars and Academy Awards are in the exact same place. Um, that you're not actually supposed to use the phrase Oscar or Academy Awards in a title of an article or commentary about it. Now, it all gets into fair use too, which if you know anything about what the rules are for how you use somebody else's created thing, it's murky as all get out. And fair use is basically what you could defend in court if somebody were to sue you over how you use something. And there's all sorts of rules about it, but I back to the worship leader thing. It's crazy. And worship leader magazine, I would say ought to do the right thing here and stop, you know, trying to enforce that trademark uh, because it's, it's absurd. This is an absurd thing. All right. Well, absurdity is the world in which we now live. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do a quick, we're going to do a quick review and we're, and let me tell people why we are offering a review of John Wick chapter four, even though it's hyper violent and not the kind of movie that we generally review on air. We are going to offer a review of this movie because young men in our culture, particularly teen boys, are uh, are going to see it. It is on their radar. And so, um, Adam, tell us what we need to know about John, the John Wick, maybe the franchise for people who aren't familiar with it, and then specifically John Wick Chapter 4. So this is a a hyper-violent franchise. It sort of feels like The Matrix without The Matrix part because it stars Keanu Reeves as John Wick. He's a former assassin who in the first movie, his former bosses kill his dog. And he doesn't like that. And the entire franchise is basically about an ex-killer who sort of feels bad that he was an assassin. You know, he's he's the, to, to uh, appropriate a phrase, he's an assassin with a heart of gold. <laughs> right? And he just <laughs> wants to live and let live now, but everybody keeps trying to kill him. So he has no choice but to kill him back. So hmm. this is sort of a kill or be killed sort of thing. This is a very, very, very stylish franchise. And um, these movies are pretty engaging. They're pretty enjoyable. And Keanu Reeves, it has become a huge character. Um, And I know there are a lot of people looking forward to this movie. But when we boil it all down, it's basically, I think, putting a very um, lustrous sheen, if you will, uh, on on vigilantism and on violence. And I think mm. um, as Christians, we get very, very concerned and pay close attention to sexual content. But I would say we largely give violence a pass. That Christians in general, like I'll hear from people who, you know, don't like that we reviewed movies that had some kind of sexual content in it, but they'll go see R-rated war movies that are incredibly violent all day long and not bad an eye. Now it's apples to oranges. We could have a deeper conversation about that, but I would say in general, 
we as Christians don't really pay that much attention to violence in movies uh, and the culture. Uh, and I think we should, because I think we live in a hyper-violent culture. And anytime we get a story that glorifies violence and makes it look cool, and let me tell you what, John Wick makes violence look cool and makes retribution mm. look cool. And there are a lot of people out there who could be internalizing that message in a way that, you know, maybe it influences them to seek retribution um, in ways that aren't as clear cut as a bunch of assassins trying to kill you, you know? Yeah, I let's uh, let's answer the John Wick franchise with do unto others as you would have them do yes. unto you instead of doing unto others as you've been done unto like, right? So yeah. let's be people who are redemptive in our thoughts, words and deeds and in our conversations about this particular movie franchise and what happens in this storyline. Let's be people who are prepared to offer the redemptive storyline that God is writing um, which is not doing unto us as we deserve, but doing unto us um, out of his goodness, grace, and character, um, and then let us go and do likewise. Adam, as always, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thanks, Carmen. Hey, let's take a quick break for Breakpoint. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. So many storylines out of the sports world that we can use in our day-to-day life, not only to spur one another on to love and good works, but uh, encourage one another to get up when we have taken a fall. Um, It's a great place to cultivate conversations about discipline and the body and teamwork, all kinds of great things, right? Jason Romano joins us from time to time from Sports Spectrum. You can Read what we're going to be talking about at sportspectrum.com. Um, there's something going on in the sporting world right now that lots of people are paying attention to. It's called the NCAA uh, tournament. It's also known as March Madness. And so we're going to visit some March Madla- Madness, not only headlines, but storylines next with Jason Romano. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's that. All right, lots of people watching basketball right now. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament. Jason Romano is joining us from Sports Spectrum. Encourage you to check it out, sportspectrum.com. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? <laughs> I am well. <laughs> I just going to confess basketball is not my sport. That's um, okay. And I know, but it is, but I got to tell you, the storylines are pretty great. And my mom is kind of a Purdue fanatic. So you can imagine that I have been schooled uh, of late on um, years of disappointment, apparently related to Purdue's performance in the NCAA championship games or, you know, the, the, the series, like, right, the whole March Madness yeah. business. So I bring you this headline. Because I want uh, I want you to help us unpack something here before we jump into things you've got posted at Sports Spectrum. David yeah. beats Goliath. Like I, I, David beats Goliath. Apparently, David beats Goliath a lot. Um, 
in in this particular year and season. Fairly Dickinson shocks Purdue. That's a David beats Goliath headline. There was also a David beats Goliath headline related to Princeton and Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I searched, I could find others. Um, appropriate or inappropriate or how appropriate to use a biblical reference like this um, in relationship to a basketball game, particularly early in a tournament. Like I'm, I guess I'm wondering. Like you, this is a powerful biblical illustration. I know it's referent. I know the whole story, but my guess is a lot of people don't. And so, can you just speak to that? Like, should we? Should we not? How should we use biblical references like David and Goliath when what we're talking about is at at that point? I mean, an entry level game into a tournament. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I guess I haven't really thought a lot about it, but I don't I don't know if I see any issue with it. Reminding you that it's coming from mostly a what you call a secular media, you know, circuit or, you know, a fan base that's kind of used that forever. Um, as a Christian, I guess I guess I I would have to think about that more more deeply. Um, but I don't think I have any issue with it. I think it's more of just a metaphor anyways. And listen, if it drives people to open up a Bible and actually read the story of David slaying the giant, like, great, you know? And I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, in the March Madness, it's basketball and, you know, these mid-major teams come in, these these very low seeds, these 16 seeds or 15 seeds, and, you know, they don't have a lot of resources or a lot of money, and they come in and they beat one of the big boys, like Purdue or, you know, some of these big schools. Sure, I mean, what's the what's the parallel there, right? The little guy gets you know, gets it against the big guy, I guess it's David and Goliath, right? And so mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with it necessarily, uh, but I guess it's a really good question to ponder and think about, you know, the more we we get a little deeper into it. Well, here's how I'm going to encourage us. I think that those of us who do know the whole story, when we hear somebody use a reference to David and Goliath after we've, you know, engaged with them in the metaphorical conversation, it's then, I think, incumbent upon us, and it's an opportunity for us to say, do you actually know you know the story behind this? Like, do you do you want to do you want to actually know who David was and who Goliath was and what that whole thing was about? Because I, I do it. think it's a it's a yeah entry point of conversation. All right, now yeah. let's talk about some things posted at Sports Spectrum related to the NCAA tournament. Um, okay. Tell us about Kansas State's Kansas State's. Mm-hmm, it's hard to say that because they both <laughs> end with an S. Head coach. Yeah, Kansas State's coach, Jerome Tang, is their head coach. And, you know, every year there's usually one or two teams that kind of, I don't know, surprise a little bit. Last year we had North Carolina, which is a powerhouse of a school, but they were a little bit lower seed than normal, but they were able to go and get all the way to the national championship game. And their head coach, Hubert Davis, who was an alum, you know, all of a sudden he was put on this pedestal, this stage. And ultimately, he was pointing to Jesus. He was talking about his faith and how God guides him. And, you know, that was really an attention getter, I guess, for us from Sports Spectrum. And this year, you know, we've done stories on Jerome Tang when when he came to Kansas State. So he, he had been an assistant coach for many, many years with Baylor. So two years ago, Baylor won the national championship, and Jerome Tang was an assistant coach. And Baylor uh, is a Christian school and does not shy away from their their values of faith, right? And so Jerome Tang, after going through years of being an assistant, got his chance to become a head coach. And that happens all the time in college basketball. Guys who've kind of paid their dues through the years, 
their team starts to be successful, and someone gives them a chance. And that doesn't make them any lesser or greater of a coach. It's just somebody gives them a chance to have a little bit higher prestige in terms of title and being in charge of a team. So a lot of people pick Kansas State this year to finish eighth or ninth in their own conference. So nobody thought that they would get maybe even into the NCAA tournament, much less be on the verge of going to the Final Four. But that happened. And Jerome Tang is a guy who loves Jesus. All you got to do is go to his Twitter page and you'll see it right on his Twitter handle. You know, he's a man who, who is not just a believer in God. He's a follower of Jesus. And I believe there's a difference when somebody puts the name Jesus, you know, up on their um, social media pages, especially a head coach of a university like Kansas State. But when he's seen in his press conferences, in his postgame, um, you know, talk with the media, He's always giving glory to God first. He's always pointing to Christ. And, you know, he's not a guy I've had on Sports Spectrum one-on-one to interview yet, but let's just say he's on the list and he's going to be somebody I'm going to be calling this summer and hopefully we can get him on. But from everything we've seen, from all the people who know him that I've talked to, everybody speaks so highly of him. And then all you got to do is go to last night when Kansas State came, uh, you know, just, uh, they came out guns a-blazing and at the end of the game, it went to overtime and they, they, uh, they won a really close last-minute contest. And even last night, which is really interesting to me, Carmen, it wasn't just Jerome Tang, but it was one of their players who was interviewed after the game, a kid named Marquise Noel, who set the record for assists and had like one of the great games a point guard's ever had in the NCAA tournament. And the very first thing this kid Marquise said was, I just want to start by saying all glory to God. He gave me these gifts and these talents. Now, I'm not saying that Marquise uh, became a Christian because of Jerome Tang, you know, their head coach, but what a culture to set, right? To say, okay, it's okay to be open about your faith. It's okay to point people to something greater than yourself. And uh, that was just really fantastic to see. And now Kansas State is one game away. They play tomorrow night, and they're one game away from going to the Final Four. All right. Can you explain the whole seed thing to me? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So in, I don't understand. Family, like you're yes. so like, okay, how many, I'm, I'm how talking many first sports seed, right now? Well, I don't, I mean, how many, how many number one seeds are there? There's four. So there's yeah. four See, seeds. Does that, there's, does, that's yep. confusing to people. I understand. Well, it's 60, right. 68 teams every year that gets into the tournament. Right. And then there's four teams that ultimately play what's called a playing game which gets to your 64 teams. And that's kind of been the way it's been for 30 years. And then you have these brackets. So I don't know if you've ever filled a bracket out before Carmen, but they have a a bracket of 64 teams, 16 teams that are in each, what they call regional area. And, you know, the East, the West, the Southeast and and the, the South, I think. And those four regions feature 16 teams and they just play. And then the winner plays the next team that's in those brackets ultimately getting you to a final four and then having a national championship game, which would be next Monday. So that's kind of how it works. And the seedings, the higher seeds are the better teams, you know, the ones, the twos, the threes, and the lower seeds, the 14s, the 15s, and the 16s are those, what we call Davids, right? When we were talking about David and Goliath earlier, those are the teams that nobody's really expecting to do much. And usually they get bounced early in the first round when they're playing a team that's on paper much better, but every so often, you know, a 15 or a 16 like Princeton right now, who's still playing 
will pull off the upset and in some cases pull off two upsets. So that's kind of how the seeding works. And, you know, the number one seed doesn't always win the title. In fact, it doesn't happen all the time, uh, very often. Uh, usually it's somebody like a two seed or a three seed, which is a good team, but not the ve- very best team that ultimately pulls it out. It's, it's very similar to other sports in the NBA, even in the NFL. You know, the teams that are the absolute best, sometimes they lose in the playoffs and then that that little bit of a surprising team might come in behind them. So does that help? I hope that helps. Yes. So of the original <laughs> 68 teams that were in, yeah. there are there are still 16 teams in because we're now at right. the Sweet 16. Is that correct? Correct. And so last mm-hmm. night was the first uh, four games of the Sweet 16 and four teams won. So ultimately right now there's one more round of the Sweet 16, which is tonight. And then by the time we wake up tomorrow morning, there will be what they call the Elite Eight. Eight teams yeah. left for four mm-hmm. games, two tomorrow, two on Sunday, which will then lead you to your final four and then ultimately your national championship. Okay. Is Prince so Princeton is still in. Go Tigers. That's my uh that's Princeton's uh, still in. Yeah, they play tonight. Waters, so I'm gonna cheer for, I'm gonna cheer for them. Um Alabama is still in. Alabama's still in. Yeah. Alabama's so, got know, a great story too. They're the one the number SEC. one. I kinda I kinda yeah. yeah, excited about that. They're still alive. But I do they're like the Jayhawks because they're kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> but they lost. Right. They were the number oh, one seed. They're knocked out early. Yeah, they were the champions right. last year, though. So they got they got their chance last year. All right, it's all very exciting. Um, <laughs> Jason, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're gonna um, we're gonna pivot and we're gonna talk about women, uh, some yeah. women's sports things, basketball and softball. That's up yes. next here on Mornings with Carmen. Welcome your king, Palm Sunday. Sit next to him at the table during the Last Supper. Feel the hurt and betrayal, the agony of death. Be the first to celebrate at the empty tomb on Easter morning. Join Faith Radio's Reading the Bible Together Holy Week study as we walk with Jesus to the cross. Get your free study guide and access to the Reading the Bible Together podcast by signing up now at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum. You can connect with Jason and everything we're talking about today, sportsspectrum.com. Jason, quickly read us in on a a women's basketball story. Tell us about Ole Miss's coach. Yeah, they call her Coach Yo. Her name is Yolette McPhee McEwen. Um, They're in the Sweet 16 uh, and getting ready to play, and they were – they were a little bit of a surprise, I think, but they had, I mean, they were 0-16 against good teams, you know, since 2018. Like they were, they were always struggled, but they beat and upset a number one seed last week. And Ole Miss is, is rolling right now. But Coach Yo, I talked to her on our show, Sports Spectrum Podcast, about a year and a half ago or so. And um, this is a woman who just, it's somebody I would want my daughter to play you know, she's a kid from the Bahamas who wasn't, you know, highly recruited, didn't get, you know, all these big chances, you know, coming out of college. She wasn't this dominant athlete, you know, to where it would have opened up a door for her. She just grinded. You know, she grinded through. Um, her faith is really, really strong. Um, and, you know, she one, one thing I remember in talking to her was the importance of Christian mentors in her life. 
you know, when you're a coach, you're the coach who is constantly pouring into others. And if you're not careful, your tank can get empty really quick. And she talked about the importance of finding people to pour into her. And if you're not careful as a coach or a leader or any type of person, especially in sports, you can get burned out really quickly. And she's made a point to find Christian mentors who can pour into her, who can love her, who can guide her, who can answer questions, who can, you know, talk about really anything. And, you know, she leads with love uh, and the love of Christ. And that's really been wonderful to see. Um, And yeah, you'll be, if you want to watch some college basketball tonight on the women's side and you happen to stumble upon Ole Miss, look for Coach Yo, because she's, uh, she's quite the woman. That's fantastic. Um, softball was my sport when I was a kid and all throughout high school. And I had to make a choice at the end of high school whether or not to, you know, play softball collegiately. Um, and the only invitation that I got was from the University of Alabama. And as a as a Florida kid, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So I went to the University of Florida um, and went an academic route instead. But I do love college softball. I, uh, I, I think it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's super competitive. Um, it's changed a lot over the years. Tell us about what's, ha- what's happening with the Oklahoma softball team. Yeah. So it's interesting. You say softball, I growing up, my sports were basketball, baseball, football. Like I was sort of the big three, a fan of the big three played basketball, played baseball. Then I had a daughter and as she got <laughs> older and started to want to play sports, she went the softball route when she was nine years old and I started watching softball and she started getting a little bit better, um, played in high school, was a state runner up last year in her senior year of high school. And so watching her, I realized softball is an amazing sport. These, these so girls, are, yeah. these girls, are, yeah, it's so much fun. They're so competitive. Uh, it really takes a high level of skill and practice to, to be good at that sport. And as my daughter was playing, we became interested in college softball. And all you got to do is just watch a little bit of college softball and Oklahoma softball is going to pop up on the screen. They are a two-time back-to-back national championship program. They've won the title. I think they've lost like six games in the past three years, like something ridiculous. It's an amazing stat. Their head coach, Patty Gasso, is a believer, a solid woman of Christ. And she has built a culture within that team that became really intriguing to us at Sports Spectrum. So we went down to Norman, Oklahoma late last year and just wanted to kind of see what was going on with this Oklahoma program that was consistently talking about their faith. And so we went down there. We talked to six members of Oklahoma softball team, head coach Patty Gasso, her son JT Gasso, who's an assistant coach, and four of their players, and just talking to them particularly Grace Lyons, who's a captain and an All-American with Oklahoma, you saw that there was something very unique going on. They are the most dominant program in the country, and yet they're so faith-filled. They're different and dominant. That's the title of the cover story of our latest magazine that we have out now on Oklahoma softball. And we put the, the young ladies on the cover and really just felt it was a program that we wanted to highlight. Uh, oh, by the way, There is no sports spectrum jinx, at least yet, because they are number one in the country still this year. I think they've lost one game, and they are once again in 2023 dominating opponents. But you just saw, if you're on sportsspectrum.com, a story we did a couple days ago about another player from Oklahoma getting baptized and giving her life to Jesus. Jada Coleman, who's a national player of the year candidate, All-American, 
And just a couple of days ago, we wrote a story about how this young lady is baptized and giving her life to Christ. So you can see as they're pursuing a third title, there's something greater going on within this program. And I'm, I'm glad that somebody like us can highlight that in a unique way because, you know, listen, my former employer, ESPN and others, their job is to talk sports, but something deeper is going on within Oklahoma softball and it's all centered around Jesus. And it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, if you're wondering who to be praying for today, uh, new believers who you know are being drawn uh, into into faith, um, coming to faith, making professions of faith, being baptized. So pray for our new sister in Christ, Jada Coleman. Pray yeah. for um, other new believers and the communities uh, where they exist, and the people who are around them who are going to help them cultivate the things of the faith. It's one thing to be able to step up to the plate, as this young woman does on a regular basis, and literally knock it out of the park. Um, mm-hmm. It's another thing to be able to um, walk by faith and not by sight all the days of your life. And so we want to encourage new believers. We want to encourage those believers who are encouraging new believers and walking with them and teaching them the things of the faith day in and day out, um, even as they coach them, in this case, uh, in in softball, college softball. So it's a great story, Jason. I loved reading it. You guys can read it at sportspectrum.com. It's also going to be on the cover of the latest issue of the Sports Spectrum magazine. Again, you can check it all out at sportspectrum.com. Jason, as always, it's a delight to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Carmen, always appreciate the invite, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. The Farm Report is up next. I'm going to live where the green grass grows. Watch my corn pop up in rows. Every night be tucked in close to you. It's the Friday Farm Report. Spring has sprung uh, where I live. It's quite possible that spring has not sprung where you are. And it's also possible that you live in a different hemisphere than I live in, in which case spring is not springing anytime soon. So I get that. I get that when we do a farm report, man, it's super local. Like it might even not be, the zip code might not be narrow enough for a farm report. It could be raining uh, on your land and not raining on your neighbor's land. And I I totally 100% get that. So spring has sprung. And so let me just testify to that. Wherever you are, spring is coming. Um, and, it, and it's just this wonderful reminder of God's plan, his provision, um, the the way that he made things to work and the way that he feeds us and the way that he invites us to cultivate the land where we live and till the soil and plant the seed and... Um, trust him to give the growth. And so let let us be producing a harvest of righteousness in our lives to the glory of God. Let's be let's be good fertile soil for the word of God to be planted deeply within us that what is produced in us might not only be for our good but for his glory. Maybe the farm report should also be about the cultivation of our own hearts as the place where God is implanting his word and people through whom God very much desires to bring forth a harvest of righteousness in the days in which we live. Well, spring could be any day of the year then. Um, Spring could be any season of your life if we're talking about that kind of cultivation and that kind of abundant harvest. Have a great weekend and God bless. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.